Hello, welcome to Momming on the Go. This is Rachel. I know it's been a while since I got on here, but a few weeks ago I had the honor of sharing my experience with death this year at my grad school in a class entitled Death and Dying, and I feel like I would like to share it here. So, without further ado, this is my experience with death this year. Some of this, you, if you have listened to my podcast, you already know, but it's just an overview for those of you who do not know. I had my first stillborn son on Valentine's Day. I went to the hospital because I was bleeding, and they did a sonogram and did not find a heartbeat. I delivered my son alone with my husband in a hospital room where I had all the pains and contractions of a regular birth with none of the joy. If you want all the details and raw emotions, you can listen to one of my previous podcasts that I did a few days after I gave birth to him. My husband named this son Promise so that we would remember that God promises to be with us through the hard times. He also felt that, even in the pain, there was the promise of another child. Because of COVID, there weren't any visitors allowed in the hospital Promise was born in, and they especially said we were not allowed to have our other children come since they were under the age of 10. Although the hospital said that if we wanted our pastor to come, they would make an exception. There was a couple who has been our family here, with us living far from our actual family. At one point, he had been a pastor at our church, so we called him our pastor and they let him and his wife come. We had debated asking anyone to come be with us, but it ended up being a huge blessing for both them and us to have them there. They held promise and looked at him. They did not shrink away from his little lifeless form. They respected him and they embraced us. And they did a sort of bedside remembrance of Promise's short life. I am so thankful that we included them in our pain. After Promise, I got pregnant right away and had frequent checkups with my doctor. A few months into the pregnancy, I was diagnosed with placenta previa, which means that my placenta was in the exact wrong place and that I had to be on a sort of modified bed rest. A few days after this diagnosis, we were supposed to go to the middle of nowhere in Michigan to be with some family. The same day I was diagnosed with placenta previa, my oldest daughter broke her wrist. It was not a bad break, but because of that and my own diagnosis, I had this premonition that we needed to stay home and not go on the trip we were all looking forward to. My decision didn't make sense to me or anyone else at the time, but it ended up saving my life. The next week, my water broke. I was hoping that it was related to incontinence and not my actual water breaking, but my doctor had me come in to do an ultrasound. She is a fabulous doctor, and knowing how emotional and hard it is for me to be pregnant took all my concerns seriously. She did the ultrasound herself, and immediately I knew that something was wrong. One week earlier, I had seen my son wiggling around inside of me. This time, he was not moving at all. She brought the nurse in and the actual sonographer. The nurse held my hand while the sonographer confirmed it. Then I texted my husband. The baby doesn't have a heartbeat. Because I had placenta previa, I needed to have a C-section. There was a possibility that they would not be able to save my uterus. 
It was pretty much a given that I would lose enough blood to need a blood transfusion, so they ordered two units of blood, which were right next to me in the operating room. Remember how staying home saved my life? If I had not been home when my hospital broke, I would have been far from a hospital, and by the time I had reached a hospital, which was not a major city hospital, I could have been hemorrhaging. When I told my doctor where I should have been, she got goosebumps. But I was not. I was in the excellent care of my doctor in a hospital that knew how to take care of me, and I had so many people praying for me, I did not even need blood, and my uterus remains intact inside of me. When you have a C-section, you have to lay down on a cold operating table with your arms out, stretched out. It feels pretty much like you're on a cross. My husband held my hands for the almost two hours it took for them to operate. As I lay there with my arms spread open, in my pain, I kept thinking about Jesus dying on the cross for me. My heart was broken. My body was in physical pain because although I had an epidural, the left side of my body could feel the pressure as they cut my body and scraped out my uterus. To complete the picture, when my surgery was completed, my doctor got down on her hands and knees and wiped my blood off the floor. When they gave me this son to hold, my heart broke some more. My oldest daughter had been praying for another brother, and God had answered her prayer with a yes two times, but not how we wanted him to answer. This time, I named our son. I named him Emmanuel because I knew I needed the reminder that God is with me, with us. If you want to listen to more details, I recorded a podcast about Emmanuel's birth too. You can just go back and listen to it. And just so you don't need to wonder, Promise was strangled by the umbilical cord being wrapped tightly around his neck four times, and Emmanuel knotted up his umbilical cord. Both freak umbilical cord accidents that are completely unpreventable. So there's the snapshot of the actual births of Promise and Emmanuel. But death and its impact did not stop on February 14 or on July 29. Here are some of the hard things about losing a baby. The specific dates are hard. The due date, the actual birth day, the first few holidays, your first period because it's a painful reminder that you are not pregnant. And since I'm not sure who is exactly listening to this, the first time you have you know what. Especially after Emmanuel, doing that the first time was emotionally painful and hard. Not only was I not pregnant anymore, but after about 18 months of trying to have a live baby, we could not even try to get pregnant because of the risk to myself having had an intense C-section. My second C-section. So what can you do to come alongside people who lose babies? First, there is a great resource called Hope Mommies. Connect them with this group. I didn't know if I wanted to be part of it, but it has been such an encouragement to me this year. It's a private group, mostly online, although it has a local chapter in DFW, of women who have lost babies. It is a safe place to share and encourage, and it is moderated by women who love Jesus. I go there when I want reminders that I am not alone in my struggles. But that is just a resource. What has meant the most to me, which you may have gathered from some of what I just said, is knowing that I am not alone and that I am remembered and that my sons and their short lives are remembered. 
I had some friends who would text me every day in the beginning. They didn't say much besides, I am praying for you and thinking about you. It is easy to feel alone after death, even when there are people physically around you, because it is such an emotional experience. Knowing that there were and are people who want to walk with me and who remind me of that helps the knowing that I am not as alone as I might feel. After Promise and Emmanuel, we received meals and meals. After my C-section, we had meals delivered every other day for six weeks. I did not set any of that up. People who loved me set it up, and people I didn't even know and still have not met sent me food and restaurant gift cards. My house looked like a flower shop. People sent Tiff's treats to my house and craft activities for my kids to do. A friend came and deep cleaned my bathroom. My parents who live in Chicago came down to help us for two weeks in February and then again two weeks in August. They essentially took off one month of their regular life to be with me and my family in our pain and need. My sister-in-law came down for one week in the spring and then one week right after I had Emmanuel. The list goes on. What did I learn from this? God gives us each different gifts to love people who need love. If everyone had given us food, that would have been way too much. If everyone had sent flowers, we wouldn't have had nutritious meals all the time. And if everyone had stayed to chat for an hour, it would have been too emotionally draining. After Promise especially, I didn't really want to see anyone except my family, and I couldn't talk on the phone for several weeks, which is part of why I did my podcasts, so I could share about it while it was still fresh and send it to people who wanted to know what had happened without having to actually relive it by retelling it when I was not ready. There is more to my journey with death this year, though. Shortly after I had Emmanuel, the husband of my friend who is my age and has a three-year-old daughter died, and the wife of my husband's cousin also died. They have five kids from the ages of 1 to 14. These deaths robbed two young families, and yet my newly widowed friend has encouraged me through my own heart this year, and now we are grieving buddies. I know that it would have been so much harder to lose my husband than my babies, and I have told my friend that, but she not once has invalidated my pain, and I have not invalidated my own pain because of it either. But someone else telling me, well, at least it wasn't your husband, would make them a not safe person to share with. It is an automatic invalidation of my pain. You don't have to make my pain better for yourself. I just want you to sit in my pain with me and be quiet. Death is not only the loss of a life, it is the loss of hopes and dreams for the future. After I had Emmanuel, I was mad at God. Both of my sons died from freak umbilical cord accidents. I knew that God could have stopped them from happening. My daughters prayed every night that our baby would live. Specifically, they prayed that our babies would not die. And yet, God let them both die. I did not like God very much, and I felt closer to Jesus because he knew physical pain. I have two friends who have also lost babies. I told one of them, who I respect greatly, about those feelings. She did not get nervous or preach at me. She validated my feelings. I asked her if my feelings were wrong. 
She told me that God gave us feelings, and she just cautioned me not to let how I feel about God shape what I know to be true about him. Her words really helped me. And she is still one of the few safe people I can talk to about this because she knows the feelings and she did not judge my emotions. I want you to know I never once doubted my salvation or who God was. I just did not like him so much. This is not a safe thing to tell most people. They try to defend God and your salvation and come up with all the Christian things to say about pain and suffering. Not helpful. Don't do it. Feelings and emotions are real, and especially after a death, especially a surprise death, they don't need to be explained away. They need to be validated, sat with, and lived through. Be okay with silence. Here are the two things that meant the most to me to hear. I am so sorry. If you want to tell me about Emmanuel promise, I want to know. And then just sit. Knowing people cared about me enough to be quiet and just share my pain with me has been really helpful, even from afar. A text with a heart in it goes a long way. People acknowledging the pain for my husband and children also helps me. It's been hard for them too. When Promise was born, my kids were seven, five, and two. Actually, my five-year-old was four days away from turning six. They were not allowed to see Promise. They just knew that I went to the hospital and then I came back again the next day crying and had pictures of a dead baby on my phone. My two-year-old especially had a hard time connecting with the fact that the baby was not in my belly anymore. He kept touching my belly and talking about the baby and talking about doing things with the baby. After a few weeks of this, one night at dinner, my daughters, who were seven and six at this time, asked my son at the dinner table, where is Promise? Immediately, tears came to my eyes and I got nervous. And then my two-year-old answered, in heaven with Jesus. My daughters had been quizzing him that afternoon because they saw how sad I was when their brother talked about the baby. They wanted him to get that there was no baby. It made me cry. He still slipped and talked about the baby, but after that, it got much better. Then I got pregnant again. Every night, my daughters, and occasionally my son, would pray that this baby would not die. I had had three miscarriages in promise, and we have always told our kids right away when I get pregnant. We have wanted them to know that not every little life ends with life outside the womb, and although it never gets easier when life is lost, we want them to know what is real and how to experience and process their emotions from a young age. When I had Emmanuel, we asked if our kids would be allowed to come see their brother, and the hospital, a different one from February, made the exception, and they were allowed. I am so thankful. When our kids came into my hospital room, my husband took Emmanuel in his hands, and my kids gathered round. I took a picture from my hospital bed. He introduced them to their still and tiny brother. My oldest daughter, who had just turned eight, held him. My son, who had just turned three, touched his cold skin. My middle daughter, who was six, just looked at him. She did not want to hold him, but when it was time to leave, she came back to look at him for a few more moments. Going home this time was a lot different. All of my kids had seen their brother. They knew he was not inside of me, and they knew he was in heaven with Jesus. They got a chance to meet him and say goodbye to him. 
and having a tangible little brother to see has made heaven so much more real to them. One night recently, when I was putting my kids to bed, my daughter asked me if Promise and Emmanuel had to go to bed too. I told them, as all my kids were listening, that they could stay up with Jesus if they wanted to. The next morning, my six-year-old daughter asked me if I thought Promise and Emmanuel had played games with Jesus all night. Tears came to my eyes. Not only is heaven more real to my kids because they got to meet their brother, but having a relationship with Jesus himself is also more real. It was recently Thanksgiving. We asked our kids what was hard about this year and also what they were thankful for. My oldest daughter immediately said, it was hard our babies die, but I am thankful mommy is alive. This year, my kids have been surrounded by death. Their two little brothers, and then the husband of my friend and the wife of my husband's cousin. They have prayed life over these four individuals, and they still have died. What my children have learned, and will tell you if you ask, is that God always answers prayers. He does not always answer how we want, but he always, always loves us and is with us, even when the answer hurts. At least one of my kids usually prays at night that we or someone we love will not die. In those words, death is not a foreign concept to them. It is real. It has hurt them. But their understanding of God is bigger because of it. And they know more who God is because of experiencing it. Jesus dying for them is that much more fathomable. I am thankful that we have included my kids in the short lives of Promise and Emmanuel because they acknowledge them as part of our family too. They have joined our piano family. I have a willow tree figurine for every person in our family on our piano. And after Emmanuel, my husband got me two little boys to represent Emmanuel and Promise. My girls had fun deciding which boy was Promise and which one was Emmanuel. Even though their lives were short, these two boys were part of our year and will always be part of our family. My kids will acknowledge them as their brothers and they are looking forward to playing games with them in heaven with Jesus. I share my story with you so you can know some of the emotions that come with the death of a baby and what is helpful during the grieving process. I share how we handled those deaths with my kids to encourage you that it is actually helpful for kids to see death and that it does not crush them. Kids are matter of fact. They also have emotions. My kids, especially my middle daughter, have been a whole lot more physical and huggy to me this year. They are still learning what their emotions are and then what to do with them. But as our family walks through these deaths together, we are there for each other. We are a safe place for each other. We all know that God's plan hurts sometimes. But we all know that does not mean that God does not hear us. He does hear us. He does love us. And even when we are mad at him, he is still gentle with us and sends people to just be with us. And when we come through the anger of the emotions, he will still be there, holding us close to him. Some of the questions from the kind students who listened to me at DTS made me realize that I am scared to draw close to God. Scared of what tragedy he will bring me next, and also scared that he will never say yes to the desires that are closest to my heart. They also made me realize how much my children have internalized all the death this year. My oldest daughter told us last week she no longer likes diamonds because they begin with the word die. 
One of my daughters recently had a cough. Her sister could not sleep at night because she was afraid she would have to go to the hospital and that she would die. When we were talking about this at breakfast, the coughing daughter said, well, if I die, I will be the first to one to meet Promise and Emmanuel and the other babies mommy had. Death is very real to my kids. They know what it means, but they are not hopeless in their thoughts of death. They know Jesus, they know his plan, and they love him. My heart, even in my deep grief, is full. And that is some of my journey with death and dying this year. Thank you for listening to Momming on the